This is the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. The podcast for curious and passionate dental hygienists. Kara RDH here, and I want to thank Listerine for sponsoring this podcast audio article. Although Listerine Antiseptic is the most extensively tested over-the-counter mouth rinse in the world, with over 30 long-term clinical trials examining its safety and efficacy, there is still some misinformation out there over the uses of mouth rinses containing alcohol. To help understand the safety of alcohol-containing mouth rinses, in case any patients ask you about it, head on over to rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. That's rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. The link is also in the description of this audio article. And please note, although a sponsor of this audio article, Listerine and Johnson & Johnson Consumer Inc. had no input into or control over the content being presented in this podcast. Now let's get to the audio article. Dental Radiology, New Recommendations for Patient-Led Shielding by Spring Hatfield, RDH BSPH. Radiographs in dentistry are an important aspect of providing comprehensive patient care. Though many patients balk at the idea of getting radiographs, it's imperative to acquire them in order to diagnose diseases such as periodontal disease, dental caries, abscesses, and certain lesions of the jaw. One could argue radiographs are one of the most important diagnostic tools we use in dentistry. We now have multiple imaging types to assist in disease diagnosis, including intraoral, panoramic, cephalometric, and cone beam computed tomography. CBCT imaging. Nonetheless, it's crucial to use certain principles to determine the need for radiographs and what kind of radiographs to acquire. An article in the Journal of the American Dental Association reminds dental professionals to ask these questions when deciding on the need and what type of image to capture. What image is needed to answer any diagnostic questions? What technique will use the least amount of radiation to answer the diagnostic question? What are the benefits of acquiring the image? And what are the risks of acquiring the image? These questions are necessary to reduce the amount of radiation patients are exposed to during their dental appointments. Alera. The aim of Alera, as low as reasonably achievable, is to reduce radiation exposure as much as possible while still allowing for proper diagnosis of dental diseases. Multiple approaches can reduce a patient's radiation dose. It isn't simply reducing the number of radiographs taken. Using digital radiography alone reduces the radiation exposure by 90% compared to the radiation dose using e-speed films, while also improving diagnostic accuracy with filtering and enhancement tools. The first digital x-ray sensor became available in the mid-1980s, developed by Francis Moyen. These sensors were limited in their abilities. They didn't allow for image storage and the image had to be printed. As any clinician knows, digital systems have improved exponentially through the years. It's safe to say that radiation dose reduction is one of the biggest benefits of this technology that's utilized in most dental practices today. The reduced radiation exposure from digital radiography allows for better adherence to the Alera concept. However, other methods can reduce the dose as well. Rectangular collimation restrictions further lower the dose by 60% though the risk of needing to retake images increases. 
Of course, lead shielding has been a staple in dental practices for many years. However, recent research has indicated it isn't as helpful as it's been perceived to be when other measures are implemented to reduce radiation dose. In 2018, the American Association of Physicists and Medicine published a position paper urging the discontinuation of lead shielding. Among other things, the position paper indicates that lead shielding is ineffective in reducing internal scatter radiation, rendering it useless in reducing radiation dose. In addition to the 2019 position paper, the American Academy of Oral and Maxillofacial Radiography recently published clinical practice guidelines specific to dental radiography that further support the stance of the American Association of Physicists and Medicine's position paper. Gonadal shielding. Gonadal shielding is mandated in some U.S. states, and it's done to reduce the risk of radiation-caused hereditary effects. However, this idea has been challenged due to a lack of scientific rationale to support the practice. The thought behind gonadal shielding is that it could lead to heritable effects. However, despite the public's and some dental professionals' beliefs, heritable effects from radiation haven't been observed in humans. The recommendation made by the American Academy of Oral and Maxillofacial Radiography regarding gonadal shielding states that gonadal shielding during diagnostic intraoral, panoramic, cephalometric, and CBCT imaging should be discontinued as routine practice. Thyroid shielding The thyroid gland is exposed to radiation during dental radiographs via the primary beam and internal scatter. Nonetheless, dental radiographs' anticipated dose to the thyroid is minimal when compared to other medical imaging. As a matter of fact, doses with bite-wing radiographs and periapical radiographs are below detectable levels. Panoramic imaging uses a collimated narrow beam, which produces little scatter. Studies show the thyroid gland-absorbed doses are less than 0.1 milligray without shielding. Further shielding could cause artifacts, requiring retaking the image and exposing the patient to more radiation than is necessary. There's no difference in the amount of radiation exposure with or without lead shielding when acquiring a panoramic image. Cephalometric images are much the same as panoramic images. Many cephalometric units have a collimated beam, which decreases scatter. Even in the absence of this feature, the radiation dose to the thyroid gland from cephalometric images is less than 0.1 milligray. Radiation doses from CBCT imaging vary depending on the area being imaged. As you can imagine, a CBCT of the maxilla has a lower dose to the thyroid than a CBCT image of the mandible. Nonetheless, thyroid dose from CBCT imaging is very similar to intraoral imaging, with no difference in dose with or without shielding. You can find a thyroid-absorbed radiation doses chart in the article on our website. The final recommendation by the American Academy of Oral and Maxillofacial Radiography is patient thyroid shielding during diagnostic intraoral, panoramic, cephalometric, and CBCT imaging should be discontinued as routine practice. Breast shielding. Though lead shielding was originally done to protect the gonads, it also protected the breasts. Breast tissue is a sensitive tissue that could be affected by radiation doses, leading to radiation-induced breast cancer. Breast tissue is more sensitive to radiation in patients under the age of 30. Breast doses
sources from intraoral, panoramic, and cephalometric radiography on CBCT imaging are less than 0.1 milligram. This dose is negligible, as is the risk of breast cancer due to dental radiographs. Consider the dose absorbed from annual or biannual mammograms is between 1.4 to 3.1 milligram. This led to the determination that there's no evidence to require breast shielding for dental radiographs. You can find the breast-absorbed radiation doses chart in the article on our website. Shielding during pregnancy. In all dental radiography, the fetus is well outside the field of imaging, and radiation doses are below 0.1 milligram. The threshold for complications associated with radiation exposure is set at 100 milligram, indicating that there is essentially zero risk to the fetus. Pregnant patients may voice their concerns regarding the lack of lead shielding. It's the responsibility of the clinician to communicate the absence of risk and lack of benefits with lead shielding. This is best presented with confidence. If you don't have confidence in the evidence, the patient won't either. You can find the effects of prenatal radiation exposure chart in the article on our website. Shielding in children. Parents may be concerned about the lack of lead shielding in pediatric patients. It's helpful to explain to the parent that the main risk of exposure is from internal scatter radiation, which is not reduced with the use of a lead shield. Lead shields can be heavy and uncomfortable, causing the child to move and fidget, which could cause poor quality images that require retakes, exposing the child to even more radiation. The best way to reduce radiation exposure in children and all populations is through risk assessment and patient selection for radiographic imaging. Patient selection, collimation, and digital technology are the recommended methods for reducing radiation exposure in a dental setting. Lead shielding is no longer necessary or recommended as a method to reduce radiation exposure when capturing dental radiographs. You can find a patient selection guidelines for dental radiographs chart in the article on our website. Conclusion Lead shielding was implemented in the 1950s as a way to protect gonadal tissue and reduce the risk of heritable effects in humans. Since this time, we've discovered that there's no risk of heritable effects in humans due to radiation exposure of the gonadal tissues. Concerns also arose regarding thyroid exposure, breast tissue exposure, exposure to pregnant women, and children. However, new research has evaluated the absorbed dose in these organs and individuals and found that lead shielding provides very little, if any, level of protection. Further, we have advanced technology that reduces radiation exposure by 90%. The American Academy of Oral and Maxillofacial Radiography published a paper in the Journal of the American Dental Association recommending against lead shielding for all dental radiographs. The paper has recommended that federal, state, and local dental regulations and guidance should be revised to remove any actual or implied requirement for routine lead shielding for intraoral, panoramic, cephalometric, and CBCT imaging. I'm certain a subset of dental professionals will want to err on the side of caution and claim lead shielding can't hurt, but I would argue that it can indeed. Continuing to use lead shielding will propagate a fear-based mindset associated with dental radiographs. This mindset is ingrained in our society, and if we continue to feed this belief, we'll be in a constant fight to acquire the radiographs we need to properly diagnose and treat our patients. Therefore, I encourage all dental professionals to embrace the new recommendations and take the initiative to explain why lead shielding is no longer recommended or necessary for dental radiographs. If you live in a state that requires lead shielding, please continue to do so until regulations in your state change. 
However, be aware there may be changes made to your state's Dental Practice Act and or health department requirements to reflect these newer recommendations in the future. Dentistry has very few agreed-upon guidelines. However, when clear clinical practice guidelines are provided, we should adhere to these guidelines for multiple reasons. One reason is for the calibration of care for our patients while also providing the most up-to-date treatment protocols backed by evidence. This change may be difficult for some dental professionals, but we can't practice dentistry based on opinions. We need evidence. The evidence regarding lead shielding for dental radiographs is clear. Lead shielding does not provide any benefits to patients when acquiring dental radiographs. Before you leave, check out the Today's RDH Self-Study CE courses. All courses are peer-reviewed and non-sponsored to focus solely on high-quality education. You can find out more by visiting dentalce.todaysrdh.com. Thank you for listening to the audio article. I want to thank Listerine again for sponsoring this episode and for their recognition of the important role hygienists play in the dental office. I encourage you to check out the Clearing Up Mouth Rinse Misinformation page at rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. It is a great resource to help understand the safety of alcohol-containing mouth rinses if a patient ever brings it up with you. That's rdh.tv slash Listerine Safety. The link is also in the description. Thank you for listening to the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 